back to Home Design Chat with Nancy. If you're remodeling or building a new home, you don't want to miss these podcasts. We share information about every component of your home. You'll learn about tile, appliances, cabinets, paint, flooring, lighting. We cover it all. Well, today is Season 5, Episode 34, and Jason is back with me again. If you remember or you subscribe to our podcast or if you've been listening, uh, we've started a uh, series. Jason F. Miller is my partner in this. Jason is a great designer, and we are trying to explain to people or educate them on things, the basic things for kitchen design. So if you're a do-it-yourselfer or if you're a homeowner wanting to design your kitchen, but you want to know a little bit of what the builder is talking about, which you should know, um, that's what we're talking about. Our first um, podcast about this was the basics of kitchen design, basics or teaching you about cabinetry. And the second one was all about islands, how to figure out the size of an island, the function of an island, uh, the height of an island, everything about islands. And today we're going to talk about something special. Everybody who designs a kitchen has to think a little bit ahead and think about aging in place, living in place, whatever you want to call it. If you have any sort of physical challenges, even if you're too tall to work in a normal size kitchen, you've got to think about the things that you need to change to make uh, working in your kitchen a little bit more comfortable. But a lot of times we'll forget about the idea that one of these days we may be sitting in a wheelchair using a walker um, and so you have to design the kitchen based on the possibilities or if you are in that situation think of the things that would make your life a lot easier now Jason just told me that he's working on such a kitchen for somebody hey Jason thanks for joining me thank you for having me again again yeah this is the third time I'm getting to know you real well. Yeah. So, uh, so we're going to talk about the uh, things that people should include when they're remodeling their kitchen to um, kind of satisfy their difficulties in the kitchen. And you were saying that you are designing and working with people with physical challenges. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing and then we'll yeah. to the parts and pieces that we'll talk about. Definitely. Yeah. I, I currently have a client that I just finished a master bathroom and we're going to be working into the, into the kitchen. Um, and so my client is currently in a motorized wheelchair. Um, she is also a, um, a miniature person and so there a miniature are the, person <laughs> yes cute. and so when it comes down to it one of the biggest things that she needed was a functioning kitchen where she could be able to use the microwave that's not mounted above a stove that is um, easier for her to be able to wash the dishes to put them in a dishwasher um, to cook or even just be um, in her in her space and feel comfortable her husband is actually not very tall as well, and so another um, miniature person, huh? No, he uh, he's he's a little a little shorter than 
then a little taller than a miniature person. Yes. So he's, he's 50, uh, I think he's five foot two. And mm-hmm. so, um, there's not a lot of need for really, really tall cabinetry, really, really tall yeah. um, appliances and things like that. So, um, this one was, um, really interesting to kind of really understand their situation. Um, when I, when I design for my clients, I look at, um, I look at the space through their lens. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if I was in a situation where I was in a wheelchair, um, I'm five, seven, um, on a, sorry, I, I'm five, seven on a good day. Um, so when it comes down to it, I, I look at my, my life and how it would be a better use um, of a space. So this client uh, has tasked me to number one, give her functionality, but also give her um, a kitchen that looks like a kitchen. It's not this modified um, medical kind of, we're going to, we're going to put this here. We're going to put this here but make it look like a normal kitchen. And so those are the things that we're going to, we're going to be working with next week. But um, today we'll be talking about the work surfaces, um, the appliances, um, how to function properly, certain rules when it comes to wheelchairs and their radius turns, um, as well as lighting um, and just the different day-to-day tasks that will be used um, by those individuals that are, um, are in, in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Now your clients that you both have physical challenges and there are a lot of families that have maybe one or two people, maybe grandma and grandpa have moved into the house and, uh, they're trying to incorporate some of the things to make it easier for them. But we call that a universal design. That means that everybody should be able to use the kitchen no matter what your problems are. So you try to design around every possible problem or challenge. So let's start with the base cabinets or the countertop height. Now, typically, a countertop height is, in every kitchen, 36 inches above the floor. That seems normal for the masses. But in your case, what are you bringing the countertop down to to make it accessible for your miniature person? We're aiming for about 30 inches. Um, That will give them ample of time, ample of space to be able to do and also height to be able to function properly, um, use the sink properly. Um, So 30 30 is my optimum, but you can go anywhere from 28 to 40, sorry, 28 to 34 based on the client that you're working with. Mm -hmm. Um, And so my mine for that, uh, for this project is is about 30 inches Mm -hmm. that I'm aiming for. Yeah. Now, if everybody out there is taking notes and if you are either in a wheelchair or doing a remodel for somebody in a wheelchair, you have to measure from the floor up to the top of the um, armrest on the wheelchair so that they'll be able to get under the countertop comfortably without uh, scraping the padding on the wheelchair. And they will then be able to work at the countertop. Now, you mentioned 30 inches, but I have, I'm physically challenged, as I've mentioned many, many times in many, many podcasts. It's not a secret. So I'm actually on a good day, four foot 10. And so I find 
that a 30-inch countertop is a real good um, height, 30 inches above the finished floor, for me to prep and to work and to do all sorts of things. But there again, I can't drop everything down to 30 inches when there's a dishwasher involved or a stove. Um, There's certain things that you have to um, work along with. But if you have an island that you can lower down to 30 inches or 29 or depending, well, then I would suggest you do that. Um, And then if you have somebody in a wheelchair that wants to wash the dishes, although, you know, alternative is paper plates and just throw them out, Jason. (laughs) But, But talk about, let's talk about um, what you did for accessibility to the sinks. Yeah, so one of the first things that we have to look at um, for anyone that is going to be accessing the sink while in a wheelchair is first of all getting a sink, the proper sink that drain has the the drain hole in the back. Um, It it works better, number one, to have it in the back tucked away so the knees um, of someone who's sitting down isn't going to be near them. Um, second near, of all, near the ins- P-trap. Yep. Um, as well as insulating that P-trap for, right. for heat or anything that is dealing with um, just electrical, if you have a garbage disposal, things like that making sure that it's tucked back there so when they go under, they're not even anywhere close towards um, that material. Um, The other thing is basically um, getting opportunities for um, faucets to be um, kind of tucked away, whether they be in the back or even on the side. Um, We'll talk a little bit more about faucets a little bit later, but um, the, the biggest thing is making sure that that, P-trap is nowhere near the legs um, as they go underneath. Right. Now, if you've seen this in public restrooms, you'll always have an area for a um, handicapped or somebody in a wheelchair. And what they do to cover that P-trap is to take a material, whether it's wood or some sort of a thick plastic, and they attach it from um, under the countertop and then they slant it towards the wall. Anything to hide if you're worried about aesthetics or to guard against touching that P-trap with your knees will work. So if you want to do a kitchen and you want to, you don't want to have the P-trap showing, then that's a good idea. Or like you did with your bathroom, explain what you did in the bathroom. Yeah, so in this bathroom for this client, we decided that on her side, she would get pocket doors. Um, and so they they function like a regular cabinet door, but then they basically just slide back um, and tuck away underneath the cabinet. Um, and so when she's not needing it or if um, if they have guests over, she pulls them out and it looks like just like a regular cabinet. Um, and so there are different aesthetics that we're doing in the kitchen where they will look like they're an actual cabinet, but they will have the retractable doors um, for daily usage and stuff. Okay. Now's a good time to bring up the faucets. Yeah. So one of the biggest things, um, faucet technology has changed over many, many years. Um, It used to be just a simple on or off. Um, The widespread kitchen faucets, the, uh, the different 
technologies that have come out, such well, as even the pull down spray was a big thing. Remember, years yeah. ago, in the kitchen that Lucy had, she never had all that good stuff. Yeah. Remember? Well, then you had or the spray that was actually, yeah, the spray that was actually detached from, and you see all those YouTube videos of people playing pranks on family of going and turning on the the faucet and the water hitting them. Yeah. Um, and so now integrating it into one faucet. Um, but the technologies that are out there um, are, number one, touch technology. Um, you basically can walk up and touch the faucet. The faucet will turn on. Um, and then the most recent is voice activation. Um, there are several companies out there uh, specifically that have dumped a lot of money in the, into the technology that you don't have to, like, measure anymore you can tell the faucet to pour a, a cup of water um, and, and actually the technology with that is that it it's programmed to fill the cup to the top without overflowing which i think is amazing yeah um, these things come in handy when somebody has a uh problem with arthritis and they possibly can't turn the faucet or even if you don't have a problem and you're cutting up chicken and you don't want the chicken stuff all over your faucet all you Mm got to do is either hit the faucet with the back of your hand or tell the faucet to turn on so these things come in handy in everybody's kitchen it doesn't have to be a kitchen where we're specializing in uh, solving problems Definitely. And so I think it comes down to the to the proper use of what you feel like would be important for your kitchen. Um, and so the placement of that faucet necessarily does not have to be behind. It could be on the side. It could be in the top corner, wherever you feel comfortable, where you can reach properly um, for your safety. When you're dealing with reaching across surfaces, there are so many different things that um, could go wrong. Uh, we're talking about appliances. We're talking about sinks. Um, and so wherever it feels comfortable for the placement of that faucet, um, then talk to your contractor, talk to your designer, and let them know you do not have a span, um, an arm span reach that will reach behind the faucet, uh, behind the sink. So let's move that faucet to the side, be able to get you more Um, flexibility without having to feel like you have to reach so far to get to the faucet. Yeah. You know, in a custom kitchen, and the word custom is emphasized, um, when you're going to do a kitchen for yourself or if you're a contractor, you've got to make that kitchen work for the people. You can't say, well, they don't do it that way. Well, I've never done that before. Those things I'm tired of hearing because it's not, it's their kitchen. As I say every week, it's your house, it's your kitchen, it's your bathroom, do whatever you have to do to make it work. You're the one who's going to be living there. Well, we've been talking about faucets, so of course I want to talk about Studio 41. That's where I get all of my kitchen and bath fixtures, as well as handles. I know we're going to talk about handles, but I'll say it now. Stay away from the knobs um, when you're using hardware in your on your cabinets. Knobs are really hard to use, especially as we get older. Arthritic hands don't work that well. And so try to use handles wide enough for everybody's hand to fit in there. Don't go with the three-inch centers. Go with maybe four or five or sometimes six. But getting back to Studio 41, they have a huge selection of hardware for your cabinets, And also their fixtures, their bath fixtures and their kitchen fixtures, great. 
They have um, many, many showrooms in Illinois and only one in Scottsdale. So Jason and I get to use that one in Scottsdale. And if you would like to shop online, you can go to shopstudio41.com. I wish you would try them. I love them. And that's, like I said, where I get all of my product for plumbing. Okay, so should we talk about, which I'm not crazy about, but wall cabinets? What are you going to do with wall cabinets? You know, the, the biggest thing that I've learned um, in general kitchens is using, using, utilizing your base cabinets more than your upper cabinets. Upper cabinets in this, in this situation, there's two soffits that are going to go, that are currently existing. Okay, and explain like I said, what a soffit is, Jason. So a soffit is basically a wooden box that is either holding the conduit for plumbing, electrical, or just a, a, more like a an accent to break up large walls. Um, and so a soffit is basically wood that's been built out as a box and then covered in drywall and paint. A lot of times um, it is used to fill the space between the top of the cabinets and the ceiling. And a lot of people do that if they don't like dust on the top of the cabinet. But years ago, 30-inch cabinets were very, very popular and cheaper. And so everybody had soffits. And then they started going, hey, do I really need that dead space? Let's go with taller cabinets, taller wall cabinets. And so we've been removing a lot of soffits and then going with the full 42-inch high cabinet. So... Not yep. to interrupt you, but I wanted to no, clarify that. Yeah. So they have these two soffits that are enclosing the kitchen. Um, the current kitchen cabinet is 36 inches tall. Um, like I said, my my client's husband is five foot two. Um, he's not really that big. His span is not, um, his reach span is not very high at all. Um, and so we're actually going to keep those 32 inch, or sorry, 36 inch upper cabinets um, for usability and storage, but most of the, the working um, kind of functions where the dishes are, things like that are going to be the built into the things. bottom. Yep. Yeah. Um, there are a couple of other options that you can do if, if you're not going to be using upper wall cabinets. You can take down the, the wall cabinets and put more decorative stuff in, um, more like shelves and, and just works of art, things like that. Um, in this case, they're going to still go with upper cabinets um, that are still going to be about that 36-inch uh, tall cabinet. Um, in some cases, a lot of people look at it as resale value as well. They look mm -hmm. at it, okay, we know that this is going to be not our forever home. Um, it has to work for us right now. And so we'll still do the 42-inch uppers um, with the modifications to the lower cabinets to be able to make it easy for a resale. Mm -hmm. Now, for those people who are remodeling, um, there's a big surge to do away with wall cabinets, which means you have to either have pantry space or make your base cabinets very useful. I do like the idea of no wall cabinets or very little because I can't reach my wall cabinets. Um, I can reach maybe the middle of the first shelf again. I'm miniature, as you said. And so to me, it's a waste. I always have to either climb, which as we know, as we get older, that's a good way to break a bone or fall off the ladder. You don't want to do that. Or get those grabbers 
Now, I have four grabbers, and I hate them, but sometimes they come in handy. But I still, I don't use my wall cabinets very much. So if you're in that situation, um, artwork looks great or full wall tile looks great. Uh, so you don't have to say, but everybody has wall cabinets. You do what you want in your kitchen, right? Definitely. Hey, um, as I said before when I was talking about Studio 41, the handles should be very useful. Stay away from knobs, and the handle should not have pieces of metal that extend past the um, base of the, of the handle because it catches on pockets, and, oh, it'll tear your pocket right off your pants. So try to stay, and try it. When you go to the store, try your handles. Try them out. Make sure they're comfortable. Hey, let's move on to appliances, which we... Well, it's an integral part of the kitchen. You can't have a kitchen without appliances, right, Jason? Exactly. I mean, the whole the whole part of a of a kitchen is to to cook food, right? Or I mean, warm everyone it up loves if you're food. Not a yeah. Cook. <laughs> so, the the good things about about appliance companies is they have the end goal in mind for every user. Um, and so in, in this case, when you're dealing, when you're working and designing for um, a universal design, look for opportunities to upgrade the appliance from an open flame or an open element. Use induction. Induction is one of those key things that are important for universal design, where the element itself is not activated until a pot is put on, on, on a cooktop. Um, and so when you're, like I said earlier, when you're reaching for that bottle of olive oil across the, the countertop and your sleeve rushes over a turned on stove, there could be some major issues that happen from that time. So I encourage all people, all anyone to mo start moving towards the induction. Mm. Um, if you have little kids, things like that, it's just more safety. Yeah. There are a lot of people who aren't sure about induction. They like gas. Well, you can turn off and on the induction element faster than you can, almost faster than you can do the gas. But a lot of chefs are moving over to induction. They like that better. But the, the if you're a uh, cleaning freak and you want to fry something, you can actually lay paper towel on your induction cooktop Put your frying pan on top of the paper towel, do your frying, roll up your uh, paper towel and throw it away. You don't have to clean anything. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And so there are different different things that you can do for cooktops. Induction is, is probably one of the best ones. Now, when we're talking about wall ovens, um, wall ovens are, are very, very difficult um, to maneuver when you're dealing with either a slide-in range that has a, an oven um, attached. Oven. Yeah. yeah, and so when you're reaching in, you're basically now pulling your center of balance off of, off of center. Mm -hmm. And so there could be a chance that um, there'll be just some issues. So yeah, well, when- Let me add this though too, with your client that's in a wheelchair. It's impossible to open up an oven, a pull-down oven, and try to reach in there when you're in a wheelchair. You can't do it. Yep. Unless yep. you have plenty of room on the side, and that's awkward and also can pull your back out. Yep. So, yeah. 
So in, in this case, my client, we're doing a door, a side door open oven that will mount into a wall tall cabinet and will have access to the full thing. Um, once that door is open, she's able to roll right up, be able to grab and then put it on the counter right, right next to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's an easier function for her to be able to utilize the casseroles, to, to utilize Thanksgiving dinner, to utilize just the, the nightly meal um, without having to number one, get a, a, a face full of, of hot air as she's reaching into the oven to pull out something. Mm-hmm. Let um, me add I, something to yeah. that, too. When you're in a wheelchair, and I would suggest that if you are a contractor doing something for somebody in a wheelchair or somebody who uses a walker, or if you're a homeowner and you're sitting in a wheelchair, you don't have to do this because you know what it's like, but I would suggest that designers and contractors sit in a wheelchair for two or three hours and try to get around and figure out the pitfalls of what these people in a wheelchair are dealing with. When you go to that oven, even if it's a side door hinge, and you can get close to that oven, you pull out your casserole, what do you do with it? So ideally, you could have a pull-out shelf under the countertop, and it'd be right by the oven. So you can swing it over to that pull-out shelf, make sure it's strong enough. Or you can have a small cart on wheels that you can actually wheel over and set up perpendicular to the countertop so you have a landing space for your casserole or your hot item. Definitely. So um, safety first, people. And I think one of the other things that, that we're working with with this client is that they currently have a microwave that's mounted over the range um, when we walked into their home for the first time, we noticed that they had a toaster oven and they had an, a microwave on the countertops. Um, and so they're, they're not able to use the mounted microwave over the, uh, over the range. And so take a look at opportunities to, number one, integrate those two things in a lower cabinet, if possible, just so they have ample amount of uh, countertop space and not being cluttered up by a appliance that um, that could easily be incorporated um, in a cabinet. Yeah. The more appliances that you get in a drawer, the better off they are, at least for me, too. Microwaves in a drawer are available through many manufacturers. You can get a warming drawer. It's in a drawer, obviously. Uh, dishwashers in drawers. Um, I would suggest you look at the pros and cons for that. Um, trying to think of anything else. There are freezers in drawers, refrigerators in drawers, and these are components that you can get from the major manufacturers. So anything that helps people who are in a sitting position and would like to continue working in their kitchen as normal as possible. Hey, let's talk about, well, first let me talk about monogram because we were talking about appliances and monogram actually does have ovens that have French doors, which is a possibility too for people uh, in wheelchairs or if it's difficult to lean over on a pull down oven. So uh, check on that. They also have smart appliances and they can be connected and controlled with their uh, smart app 
So I would suggest that um, that might help people who have some challenges. I would suggest you go to the showrooms and check out these appliances, ask to have a demonstration on them. You can go to their website at monogram.com. But definitely when you're looking for these situations, you're looking for appliances, check all of the appliances available they will also mention this is uh, ADA um, acceptable or um, they've been suggested by maybe some of the people who do these um, checking of the appliances for certain ADA applications. So make sure that you check. And that's everything before you buy. When you're in a situation where, you know, it's very important that the faucet works for you and the appliances and the handles on the cabinets, go to the showrooms and check them out. Um, Better to do that than to have your contractor put it in and then it doesn't work for you, right? Hey, let's talk about your expertise, lighting. Jason has a great background in lighting, so give us some ideas. Well, how I look at, at my my spaces, I look at how lighting is going to be affected. I mean, we can design beautiful kitchens, but if it's not lit properly, it doesn't do anything for the client. Um, there are different layers and levels of lighting that we definitely take and take a look at. Um, your general lighting being your can lights or your ceiling lights or or anything that is going to give an opportunity for um, distilled lighting to go throughout. Um, and then you have task lighting, which could be your under cab lighting um, or your pendant lighting. Um, those will also act as your accent. Um, so your task and, and accent lighting could be the same in one space. Um, and so it's really important that number one, number one, lighting levels should be up twice as normal in lighting in, in a room for, for kitchens. Um, when you're aging in place or creating universal design, there could be different elements that are um, that are needing to, to be kind of addressed. Um, aging eyes, uh, they lose color senses, they lose um, the ability to see depth perception. Uh, so perception. perception, yeah. And so when it comes down to it, use, using proper lighting techniques, whether it be the undercab lighting, your pendant lights, um, are going to be your key points. Um, one of the key points, um, another one, is diffusing that light so it's not a harsh or a hard light, um, an exposed bulb, um, where it becomes a little bit more cumbersome to cut up a, a potato because you have a, a direct light going straight into your face. Yeah. Um, diffusing that light properly is going to give you more clean light um, as well as ample light to be able to make sure that you're you're seeing what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Lighting is so important in a kitchen, whether it's ambient lighting, general lighting, task lighting. It's very important. Just imagine I've gone into kitchens where people I go, well, what do you not like about your kitchen? Well, this kitchen is dark. I can't see anything. The lighting is terrible. So you can have the best kitchen in the world if you don't have good lighting then it's hard for you to work there, and it doesn't shine like it should. Hey, we're out of time. This goes fast. For anybody who is uh, listening to these 
um, seminars or our series, I would appreciate some sort of feedback. Please subscribe to these podcasts. You know, every time I publish one, which is weekly, you get a notice and you get the podcast or you can get it on the app. I'm on 28 platforms, so you can't miss it. I love having Jason as a partner in these uh, in this series. Jason, thank you so much again. We're going to finish our series um, the first Wednesday of the following month, which is October. Uh, so be sure to listen. We're not going to tell you what we're going to talk about. I hope you did get a lot of hints that we talked about, especially if you are out there remodeling your kitchen or remodeling for somebody who has some of these challenges. Jason, any last words? No, I, I, I think the, the key point is to imagine yourself in, in a home functioning properly um, when, you're, when you're looking at stuff like this. That's the, one of the key things that I typically put myself in. You mentioned it. Wheel around in a wheelchair for two or three hours and see how you, um, how you react. And so um, imagine yourself in, in situations where you'll need that either tomorrow or 10 years from now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, look, at, I keep telling people, look at the world from my eyes. You know, squat down, make believe you're four foot ten. <laughs> if you guys have any questions for me or for Jason, don't hesitate to email me at nancy at nancyhugo.com. And if you want to learn more about me, just go to my website, nancyhugo.com. Jason, again, can't wait to do the next one. This was great. Definitely. Thank you. You're welcome. And everybody stay safe and have a great day. Bye, Jason. Bye-bye.